The Athletic. Welcome to the Football Manager Show, sponsored by LiveScore. Today, as the end of this run of shows draws close, we'll be setting you a community challenge for the summer that will keep you occupied for at least 10 seasons. And in a neat little piece of narrative symmetry, we'll also be discussing your end-of-season traits. How do you end yours? Do you get all your transfer business done before June? Do you strip the whole club down and rebuild? Do you, sir or madam, physically watch the World Cup? We've got all of that and the happiest ever live score legend of the game. So let's get cracking. First, though, bit of housekeeping. And now this is the penultimate football manager show of the current season. Don't worry, it's not been cancelled. Pleased to say that the uh, Royal Horticultural Society's tendrils are yet to have stretched into the corridors of power here at The Athletic. We are forever vigilant against Big Plant. But no, it's just the end of the season. The show will return in the autumn ahead of the expected release of Football Manager 2023. But we wanted to make sure that you had something to keep you going until then. So, you may recall that in the past we have presented you with options for the Community Challenge. Interesting, entertaining and pleasing options for all levels of aptitude. And you ignored them all, and you chose Sunderland and then Derby. And so, as if we didn't already learn this lesson in 2016, we have concluded that the people, united, cannot be fucking trusted with anything. So we've seized control, we're switching to autocracy, and we're choosing the team. Now, we wanted a challenge that would appeal to everyone. Well, almost everyone. But we also wanted a long-range challenge um, with specific targets. And after much discussion internally here, Colleen Rooney dot dot dot, it's Arsenal Football Club. (laughs) Stick with us. Stick with us. Here's how it's going to work. You can play this at your own pace. Doesn't matter. The show won't be back to discuss this until the autumn. We'll probably talk about it on social media. You can play with any official database. I'm playing with the latest one, 22.41, but it doesn't matter. You can have as many leagues as you like running. I'm playing with the big European leagues, but it doesn't matter. You can set your skill level to anything you want. I'm going with all the coaching badges and the best reputation because that bit actually does matter and I really just don't want to get sacked in season one. But there are three objectives to pursue. and Here they are. You will get a bronze medal. An imaginary one, because this show is not made of money. A bronze medal if you can just win the Premier League with Arsenal. You'll get a silver medal if you can win the Champions League with Arsenal. So far, so simple. But the gold medal, now that is reserved for anyone who can win either the Premier League or the Champions League with a majority of academy graduate players on the pitch. That means six of your starting 11 in the Champions League final, at least six, must have come from the Arsenal Academy. Or, if you win the title, when you rank your players by order of starting appearances in the league at the end of the campaign, a minimum six from the top 11 are from the Academy. Now, it's not all new gens. This does include current Academy graduates. So, Bukayo Saka counts. Uh, Reese Nelson, you can bring him back out of loan. Uh, He counts. Charlie Patino, catching the eye in the under-23s. He counts. Even 
if you want to be like producer Steve and be really crafty, you could buy back Alex Iwobi and he would count too. So technically, you could win gold very, very quickly. But it is unlikely because this is not simply a test of your skills as the manager of a team. It's a holistic test of your skills as the manager of a club. You have to win while building for the future. You have to meet short-term objectives while working towards long-term objectives. You need to talent spot. You need to develop. And then you need to win. And you need help. We all need help. Which is why I'm delighted to welcome the Athletics Arsenal correspondent and FM streamer Art DeRoche to the show. Hi guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Hopefully... I can give some decent insight to the Arsenal <laughs> for all the listeners. Happy to be here again. What's it like covering Arsenal these days? Because I covered them quite a lot from 2007 to 2010, and it it felt very much like I was peering in on someone else's anxiety dream because <laughs> they were just they were always nearly really really good, and for some reason, very much those dreams where you're trying to get to work and you constantly something gets in your way. Arsene Wenger seemed unable to get past, you know, having a really good goalkeeper or maybe playing a defensive <laughs> midfielder once in a while. But these days, different kind of frustration, I'd imagine. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of similar, but just at a, a lower scale. So obviously in those early Emirates days, it would have been, oh, they just got pipped for the title or something. Now, <laughs> now it's they're missing out on the Champions League because rather than not having a goalkeeper, they just didn't have potent strikers for most of the season so yeah it's very similar in in those senses but hopefully they can actually take those strides next season but I guess I guess we'll see how that goes now in the game you are one of those people who has his traditional first save of every game and you've already done this haven't you you've managed Arsenal and won loads of stuff yeah so I might sound like a very big nerd but <laughs> <laughs> that's never stopped any of us <laughs> Currently, I think I'm in 2027 with my Arsenal team. Won multiple Premier League titles, FA Cups, Carabao Cups, and just won the Champions League in 2026. So Nice. So you've already got a silver medal. <laughs> yeah. So gone through quite a journey already. <laughs> Let's start with what you get. It sort of depends which database you use. I'm, I'm using the, the most recent one. The squad isn't that bad, is it? There's a couple of little weak spots. Yeah, so my database is actually the um, the first one from around, I guess, November when the game launched. So it will be slightly different. I think it's clear where the kind of gaps are. So as, as we mentioned a bit earlier, you need to get a striker in pretty early doors, I'd say. And then for me, I kind of filled up that central midfield with a few technical players to kind of get back to those early Emirates days where you had players like Alex Leb, Samir Nasri, Thomas Rosicki just kind of doing their thing. My kind of tactical style is a vertical tiki-taka. So that's kind of what determined what type of players <laughs> I went for. And then also, I guess you've got quite good young players to kind of bring through the 23s into the first team over the years as well. Oh, you're definitely going to need them. I mean, you've got you've got two decent goalkeepers. Ramsdale looks good and solid. There's Leno as, as backup, so if he gets injured, you're going to be all right. Gabriel and Ben White, they look a decent first-choice partnership, but I'm not 100% convinced <laughs> about what's behind them. I think upgrades are needed there. But Tierney's great, mm -hmm. and Cedric 
yeah, we need help on the right back. Tommy Asu, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Tommy Asu in real life, but in the game, he's not quite meeting my expectations. Is that fair? I don't know. I feel like Tommy Asu's been so. My back four is pretty much the same after what six seasons. So Tommy Asu's still oh, wow. my first choice right back. Ben White and Gabrielle are still my first choice centre backs, and Kieran Tierney's now getting a bit of competition from Luke Thomas, who I brought in from Leicester. But by and large, it's pretty similar to, to where we started. And I think, yeah, it's quite interesting. I feel like right back, you could probably get someone who's a bit more attacking. So my backup right back is Tarek Lamptey, for instance. Oh, nice. Obviously, Tommy Asu is someone who you can play as a centre-back as well and a left-back. So if you did want to upgrade that right-back slot, then you can especially with the, the amount of good right-backs there are across England alone. But yeah, I think as a starting base, there's a decent foundation for the back four or back five if you want to play that. I've gone for a very, very simple tactic. In fact, I've started with a clean slate and then just built it right up from nothing. So it's just, it, it's a bit of a turnaround from my Newcastle save um, <laughs> because it's a 4-2-3-1. Okay. There's no sort of anchor man in there. And it's just positive, express yourself, high tempo, very much just almost sort of Wenger-like, you know, here's the yeah. shape, drop the players in and uh, just, just go do your thing. I've been really impressed with Granite Xhaka, another one who I've not okay. had a huge amount of faith in in real life, <laughs> but as, as a roaming playmaker, he, he looks really decent. Did you keep him? Oh, um, <laughs> so um, I, I think I kept him for maybe a season or two, but um, so people who know... My FM streams probably know I like Ishmael Benassir a lot from AC Milan. He used to be at Arsenal in his youth days. And pretty much every FM that comes out, I eye him up as my Granite Xhaka successor. So he came in as my uh, deep line playmaker and has stayed in since I signed him. Very nice. Yeah, I think I'm a bit different to you in the fact that I went with a four-three-three to start off with, so obviously a, a flat-ish three in midfield. So Benis is the guy who's in the middle as kind of a six, I guess, and then I've got Erdegaard to one side, and then I think after a season I brought in Hausam Auer. I'm using Erdegaard as a just flat-out number ten. Okay. Attacking midfielder and just building the team around him. Martinelli or Pepe on the right and um, Emil Smith-Rowe or, or Saka on the left and then Lacazette up front. Lacazette's look good at the moment, but every time Has I he? look at his stats, I'm looking, I'm looking at them. <laughs> yeah, he's got a goal a game and, and you know, he's, 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 making, he's getting in really good positions. But you look at his stats and you think, yeah, I'm going to have to buy Dominic Calvert-Lewin, aren't I? Oh, I, I went with Latara Martinez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that will work as well. <laughs> it's interesting what you've done, I guess. Are, are Pepe and Martinelli your first choice wingers? Yeah, I'm sort of, I'm rotating everyone while I try and figure out who who's good and, and who's okay. not. So I haven't really decided who's first choice there. But of course, the, the key to all of this is going to be the use of academy players. Mm. When you start the game... Uh, Charlie Patino is one I've, I've mentioned already. He looks good. But there, there are a lot of talented attacking midfielders of various shapes and sizes knocking around, aren't they? Yeah, so you've got the obvious one in Patino there. I kind of use him as a left eight now in my save. I 
tend to use him as a Metzala. Then you've got Miguel Aziz, also central midfielder, who I'm not sure how his kind of stats are in the recent update, but is a decent kind of squad player for me at the minute. Then if you look further down the pitch, actually, Omar Rekic is a player who I was able to kind of give decent Champions League minutes over the years. And then I actually, I think I kept him until I won the Champions League and then sold him on for about £40 million. Um, so you kind of got that side of it as well, where there is definitely potential to keep those players around from the under-23s, but you can also get a decent profit from them as well. In real life, you, you cover the youth teams quite a lot, don't you? Is there, is there anyone in real life who's coming up through the ranks that you've seen and they look brilliant? Brooke Norton Cuffey is the player that comes to mind straight away. I'm not sure what his stats are like in the new FM update because he spent the first half of the season with the under-23s. But then second half of the year, he went on loan to Lincoln City. So he's a right back. I don't know if I mentioned that. <laughs> Turned 18 in January and is, I feel like, a very decent kind of almost understudy in a similar mould to Tomiyasu, but just a bit more attacking. So very strong, can play off both feet, has the ability to actually get forward and get crosses into the box. So in real life, I think he's one to look out for, but I'm not sure if FM have caught up to what he's done <laughs> in the back end of the season yet. So he might be one for FM 23, maybe. Keep a close eye on him. Uh, let's bring producer Steve in. Steve had his fingers burnt on uh, our last community challenge, Derby County. I don't think was working on the show when we did Sunderland, which would be a, a blessed relief. And as like so many of our listeners, someone who had played it when he was young and had sort of drifted out as real life had come in, but has now come back and come back with a vengeance. <laughs> Steve, your influence on the choice of club is obvious here, but how are you feeling confidence-wise about this? I feel quite confident because as on Handbreak Off and many other excellent podcasters have said, the things that need fixing on that squad are just so obvious. And in FM, as opposed to real life, just a lot more easy. I'm looking at the squad and part of me is like, it might make a issue with the hierarchy, that sort of thing. But I might just bin off Granite Jacker and Lacazette straight away. Because I know I've literally seen in real life how that race runs for this season that we're starting. Bold, bold. So get what I can for them money-wise. Bring in not the sort of like game-changing sort of Tammy Abraham level or Dominic Calvert-Lewin level striker, but someone who alongside Eddie Nketiah. And I don't know if you remember in a couple of episodes ago, RDF Tactics mentioning how good Gabby Martinelli is through the middle mm. on FM specifically. I feel like the, the things are quite easy to fix in, in the FM context. I'm going to set myself up to fail now as I say this. Well, I was just going <laughs> to suggest, I mean, bronze medal, uh, what we should all be aiming for and I've, I've started this challenge already and, and made made a half decent start and I am focusing 100% on bronze medal and we'll worry about everything else later but that's not easy Man UFC are unnaturally brilliant Manchester City have all of the money and will sign Erling Haaland Liverpool are brilliant are generally speaking how many seasons do you think you'd need to win the Premier League with this lot I don't want to <laughs> kind of oh, come on, come uh, on. skew expectations, but I actually managed to do it in my first. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. I, I did, I, and I can, I can provide, I can provide evidence God if you need it. it for Ooh. socials. Um, everyone else find this game so easy? 
<laughs> I, so I apologize to burst the bubble. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was on the first kind of database. So maybe it's a bit more difficult on the on the second one. I was going to say, is there an Albamiang in the room? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. Realistically, I don't know. Maybe you go first season, qualify for the Champions League and then go from there. But I, I don't feel like it takes too long because one, City won't have Haaland in that first season. Mm -hmm. So that should help. It's just how you deal with the, the big games, really, I feel. As you said, Ian, like a lot of it almost takes care of itself with the quality of player that is already there in terms of FM terms. Obviously, it's a lot more kind of <laughs> easy than in real life. So, yeah, I feel it shouldn't take that long. But when you think, okay, the ultimate goal is Champions League, that took me, what, five, six seasons maybe to do that. And then here, the, the ultimate challenge is going to be doing all of the above, but with a minimum of six academy graduate players in the team, which, which is going to be the tricky bit. And that's why I'm just focusing on one step at a time. I, I always look after my academy anyway, so uh, I think if I do get to the point where I'm winning the Champions League, I'll probably be already close to that number. <laughs> This is, it's a funny one. I think it's a challenge that will look quite simple. I think a lot of reaction to it, the, the instant reaction will be, well, that's not as hard as Derby. And, and in fairness, <laughs> very, very, very little in this life is as hard as managing Derby. I, I don't think there'll be that many people who will get a gold medal on this. It goes without saying, we are wrapping up this season very, very soon, so we won't be able to talk about it over the summer with you, but we're on social media as well. Ah. Oh, where can we find you? I'm at Art de Roche on Twitter. So A-R-T-D-E-R-O-C-H-E. And Steve, where can we find you? I am at Steve underscore Hanky, which is H-A-N-K-E-Y. Excellent. And you can find me, uh, Ian underscore Games. That's Ian spelt properly with two I's. <laughs> and uh, yeah, good luck. Good luck with everything. Very, very simple. Set it up however you like, whatever skill levels you want. Just go and bronze medal, win the league. Silver medal, win the Champions League. Gold medal, do it all with a majority of academy graduates. Good luck, everyone. It's more than a score with live score. Legends of the game. So, what's all this about then? Well, with LiveScore, which I'm certain you've all downloaded for free from the App Store or Google Play, you get the latest action stats and analysis from around the world. Because we know with football, it goes beyond scores. It's the stories from the pitch and the stands, players and fans all spinning their own strands of the mighty football web that links us all together. And there's no better way to twang that web than by playing Football Manager. And because we've been doing it for so many years, we've made a few memories. Welcome to Legends of the Game. And it's an outlier today, a story of realised potential and greatness. It's the story of Luis Enrique. Now, you may recall him from CM9798 when he appeared as a defender slash midfielder slash forward, right slash left slash centre. Yes, he could play everywhere. And he could play everywhere pretty well too. He had pace, he had passing, he had flair, but he also had adaptability and determination too. The only problem he presented was, where would you get the best out of him? 
Even though this was a time of two outfield substitutes only in the Premier League, you wouldn't lure him away from Barcelona just to use him as the ultimate utility man. If anything, Clive, he was too versatile. And it was much the same in real life too, where he played in every position apart from centre-back and goalkeeper. He began his career at Sporting Gijón, which is a club with a name that's the most fun to say, before leaving for a five-year stint at Real Madrid that everyone always forgets because he made his name at Barcelona. Initially distrusted by the Catalans, he soon became a fan's favourite, then the club captain, then the player of the year, and then in 2004 he did the finest thing any great player can do. He turned down a whole load of lucrative deals because he felt his best days were behind him and he didn't want to let anyone down. He retired and will be forever remembered as one of the finest Spanish players of the 1990s. Well, he later replaced Pep Guardiola as the manager of Barcelona B. He impressed enough there to get the Roma job, which did not go well. He dragged Celta Vigo up to ninth in La Liga. Then he took the top job at Barca and after an iffy start, he only won the bleeding treble. He is now, of course, the manager of Spain, and his young team won the hearts and minds of, well, most of us in the delayed Euro 2020 tournament last year. In short, then, we salute you, Luis Enrique. That was It's More Than a Score with live score legends of the game. You can get real-time updates and results, match highlights and breaking news from around the football world on the Live Score app. And it's completely free. Just search for it on the App Store or Google Play now. You're listening to the Football Manager Show, sponsored by Live Score, but produced by The Athletic. They do loads of audio stuff, actually. They acquired Muddy Knees Media in 2020, so they've got the Totally Football Show. They picked up TIFO, too. Have you heard their podcast? Oh, it's excellent. And they've got a whole rack of their own shows, like Michael Cox's Tactics Show and The Athletic Football Show. And if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you can listen to them on the app ad-free. How do you become a subscriber? Visit theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. That's theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. And if you've never subscribed before, you can get six months for six quid. Do it today. So we're approaching our end of season and we wanted to know about your end of season. What do you do? How do you approach it? And with me to discuss it is producer Steve. Hello. Hello. It's a funny time at the end of the the football manager season isn't it because in those last five games you're you're driving forward you're you're turning down all invites to meetings and recruitment chats you're just like get the game done get the game done get the game done and then when you get there and you finish you react in different ways some people take their time some people just can't wait to get their first league game of the next season done how do you how do you approach yours well because on my Fiorentina save I've, I've been in contention slash winning the Scudetto and also the Italian Cup being there. I've not, unfortunately, not had to worry about the latter stages of the Champions League because I've been knocked out in the two seasons. Oosh. Yeah, so, but I did also have a couple of Europa League uh, final runs too in the earlier seasons. So as you say, it's sort of just been heads down, final five to 10 games, focusing more about like each game as it comes rather than the wider tactical philosophy, just managing the players physically as much as you can. As you say, not worrying about future transfer strategies or staffing or anything like that. So I kind of feel once you get to the end of the season, I just want to sit in a dark room with a wet flannel on my head, to be honest. I can understand that. I and mean, I like to luxuriate in it. If you, 
if you've read the uh, Newcastle things I've been writing for The Athletic, I like to get into the data hub. I like to make little diagrams, map things out. I'll often spend two, two or three hours before I even press continue once the season's done. And this is why this chat came about, because I told you that when that top 50 of young players came out, I would go through one by one and ask for them all to be scouted to their, their full knowledge, which you felt was, was a little unhinged. Yeah, I, just, I suppose in a way, because like I said, the, the last thing I want to do is uh, is that at the end of the season. So I was like, oh, 50. Because I've seen those emails come in a few times now. I'm like, that's too many players <laughs> to look at. So yeah, but also, so what I've done a, quite a few times is, is if, for example, in January, if I've had a bit of spare cash, and so my recruitment team is constantly scouting and looking for players. Because when I started the Fiorentina say specifically, it was about, okay, at some point, someone's going to buy Dusan Vlahovic off me. So who's the person to replace them? And I've done that for every single position. So on a couple of occasions, I've seen a person that I want, but I don't need this season. So I'll buy them in January, but put the transfer to the following summer. Okay, that, that makes sense. So partly because I'm almost constantly thinking about who's going to replace this guy who because they're getting old or they might be sold. Or I remember actually reading a piece years ago about Southampton in the sort of Sadio Mane, Virgil van Dijk days, having this sort of the black box of like, a constant list of players to replace players because they know they were going to be sold. And I remember thinking that's a very sensible thing to do. Yeah. So partly it's because, well, I know who I might buy for every single position already. Well, one thing I find really helpful is getting in to the staff responsibilities page early on and making sure that every time I scout a player, they get shortlisted for arbitrary period of time, usually six months. And then you get like a, a little alert after six months and you can have another look at them and go, uh, you know what, I'm never going to buy them and just mm. let them drop off the shortlist. I generally have sort of three or four options for every position on a shortlist at, at any one time. Mm. So, you know, to try and make it easier. But um, we, we asked you on Twitter to send in your little end of season traits and uh, uh, we're just going to go through them and see how much sense they make. Vinnie Dooman. He's a man after my own heart because he scouts every youth player of the top two tiers in England with less than a year on their contract. What do you make of that? Sensible, sensible, I think. Whichever league you're managing in, that makes sense too, doesn't it? Because even if you're one of the bigger clubs, let's say in the Premier League, you're one of the top six, picking the sort of players, the sort of Jaden Sancho is the classic example, that slip through the cracks at bigger clubs that you could pick up a B to transform into players that you wouldn't get otherwise financially. That sounds very sensible. Now, speaking as a, well, I was going to say lower league football club fan, but now non-league football club mm. fan, I regard P as one of the worst things that football's ever done to itself because no small club can really have young talent. It will just get whipped away for a pittance. Um, I can't believe they all signed up for that. But when I'm playing as a big club, yeah, I'm definitely going to exploit that. So I will go through the youth divisions. Um, and it's really, really quick and easy. It sounds like it's completely insane. But just click on your own under-18 team, order the players by transfer value, and you'll see instantly on your own team that your your key potential players will be right up at the top. And then you just, there's a little up and down arrow next to the club badge, and it will cycle through every team in your division. And it takes like five minutes. Ha! Huh. And all you do is just drop down through the youth divisions it's like half a second it will take you to assess, you know, the South End United under-18 squad, the Colchester under-18 squad. Because every now and then, some real 
big talents suddenly pop up in unexpected places. And of course, because of the way modern football works, you can nick him for pretty much nothing. So two things in that. Number one, what's EPPP for those who may not know what that is? Uh, it's elite player. This is testing me now. <laughs> it's the Premier League's elite player performance plan. That's testing my yes. speed of Google. Uh, the long-term <laughs> strategy, so the Premier League, of uh, developing more and better homegrown players. Or in other oh, words, I see. Right, yeah. if you are not a level one youth academy, you're in trouble because mm. the big clubs can come and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, David Kernahan, I could feel myself going off on one there. David <laughs> Kernahan uh, clears all team selections, starts painstakingly putting together a new and extremely clever tactic, and then he'll junk it on the eve of game one after an underwhelming run of friendly results. <laughs> that is terrible, isn't it? When you have a when you've tried something new and your friendly results haven't been good, but you've run out of friendly games going into the season, you're like, well, what do I do now? I had it even worse with Newcastle last season because I had the geggedy, geggedy, geggedy mm. uh, aggressive tactic. And it was brilliant in pre-season. And it was actually really good in the opening weeks. But the AI figured it out too quickly and we started conceding everywhere. So, you know, sometimes it takes a while. Eli the Waffle, that's a great name, uh, go to every league and scout players in relegated teams and then do the same with the players with the most goals, assists and highest match rating, etc. Yeah, that's a good one. Relegated teams never keep their star players. Uh, always worth when you're in that last five game stretch of mm. your own season. Just just cast an eye around, just in case Southampton go down, and you can get set piece weasel James Ward Prowse. <laughs> I did that on FN Twenty One and got um, Palace went down, got Eberiche Eze for like fifteen million quid, which and he's just such a good player. So that is absolutely something that I've done and thoroughly agree with that one. Brett Farrow pulls out his club spreadsheet and begins planning around uh, CO and league registration for next year. That's that's pretty organised. Uh, FM Stag, even more organised, exports his squad statistics and then maps them out visually to compare them at a glance to help with performance analysis and recruitment decision making. And that's I cannot believe we found someone who thinks that the data hub isn't enough for them. The <laughs> FM stag uh, is is that man. Uh, here's a good one from Nathan Brown. I go through every top 100 countries national team and scout their under 23 players. All of them. It ends up going into the thousands. But uh, man, that's that's beam fishing, isn't it? Just just dragging it across the bottom and drag everything up. Do you know what? As a side note, with this one and the top 50 youth players things, just in terms of my brain, if you make it maybe scout 10 of them, make it slightly less of a daunting prospect, then the benefits of that are clear, are clear aren't they? It's just that sort of the notion of scouting thousands of players in the case of the last uh, tweet we just had and the notion of trying to click through. Genuinely, I think it's clicking through 50 players, clicking scout. Click, do you know what I mean? I think it might honestly be that. Yeah, I think you, you can play it so you completely overload your shortlist with everyone who's ever tickled your fancy. And then you localize your shortlist by saying right who have i got in here who's a left back that i've looked at and the other thing of course if you're playing with a fog of war on a lot of these players you won't be able to see how good they are until you scout them so it's just basic reconnaissance i think that's true jake petrolhead uh, on contract expiration day i put every single released player onto a shortlist and use filters to narrow it down until i find players of the quality and age profile i'm looking for then i trial as many of them as i can works a charm for lower league saves especially outside the uk yep 
Sounds entirely sensible. Sean Curtis, very sensible. He says, I stand up. I look outside to make sure the world around me hasn't drastically changed. Possibly I go outside to refresh my memory as to what it's like. And he says, oh, actually, you meant in the game, didn't you? I build a deep scouting list for first team positions in need of, of upgrades, and I, I plan my under-18 and 23 loaners. How much thought do you put into the players you send out on loan? A lot, actually, yeah, a lot. In terms of, like, you know, there's the development centre. I do put a lot of my... Mainly, because of... So, Obviously, in FM22, I've mainly played in Serie A. They have under-20s and under-18s rather than under-23s. So I do put a lot of the the players that I think are going to come through replace certain uh, players. I think a lot about a sort of two- to three-year loan cycle for them. Even players in their early 20s where I'm like, I can't play you yet, but I do think you could be the next guy to come in. You know, I was mentioning earlier about to replace players that might get poached. If I've bought a guy already to replace them, they need to play. I will then use the loan quite a lot in that respect. So that's very wise. Both bits of advice from Sean in terms of real life, touching back in with reality <laughs> and working on the loans for your under 18s and, and 20 age groups are both wise. I've got a lovely thing going in my Newcastle game where I have South Shields as an affiliate club mm. um, and I filled them up with under 18 players. They got into the conference north. Uh, and then they got promoted in their first season. Now they're flying high in the conference. And I just make sure that all of my very best players go there. And they get loads of first-team football. And I feel like I'm kind of managing by proxy uh, as well. <laughs> uh, final one, uh, Ryan James O'Sullivan uh, just says that he is constantly asking himself whenever he goes entirely nerdy, would only Ian McIntosh do this? Uh, that's a wise, wise question to ask. Coming up after this, your letters. Yeah, it's time for your letters. You know how to contact us, imacintosh at theathletic.com. That's what Patrick McGrath did. He says, having not touched a football management game since LMA manager. God, that's a long way back. Got into FM 22 back in November while I've been travelling around South America with my girlfriend. That's that's an interesting time to get into it while you're travelling around. You must be very popular. After a couple of months, I was completely addicted. Wanted to say thank you guys for the podcast. It's massively helped me to learn how to play and enjoy the game. After a few seasons with Man UFC to get to grips with everything, I'm now four seasons into a thoroughly enjoyable journeyman save. During the many flights and long bus rides we've been taking, I've been listening to all of the past episodes, making notes on my phone whenever a nugget of information comes up. Had a few eye rolls from the girlfriend when she realised I was making these notes for FM. Uh, luckily, she's very supportive of this addiction and is happy for me to play whenever we're not busy exploring. Okay, so he's got a balance there. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, we're really glad to help and good luck with everything. Uh, Producer Steve, who else we got? We've got Tom McGregor. Tom says, I come to you now with my third and final entry in this wonderful Derby County save. That's an oxymoron, that, isn't it? Yeah, God, he's the, like the last Japanese soldier in the jungle, isn't he? Still <laughs> cracking on. But yes, yeah, so, so look, hey, to be fair, Tom's just managed to, to make it work. So fair play and congratulations to him. So Tom continues to say, I want to thank you both for my longest FM save to date and one of the most fun ones. What? He's <laughs> drunk. You're drunk, Tom. <laughs> but anyway, hey, look, he's managed to make it work. We didn't, Ian. We need to accept that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Tom says, I finally decided to call it a day as I've largely fallen out of love with it after accomplishing most of what I set out to do. 
I've led Derby to three ninth place Premier League finishes in four years. The squad has continually improved, but given the financial muscle of all the teams above me, that tangible progress has largely stalled. I did have a beautiful poetic way to finish the save to tie back into the first email that I sent as we went all the way back to the League Cup final. But alas, as is always the case, it wasn't meant to be. So Tom losing another League Cup final there. Bitter poetry for him. So he finishes to say, thanks so much for your wonderful podcasting. It always helps me to get through work down with the Royal Horticultural Society. Damn right. And now I'm off to try and win the Champions League while playing in Africa with UD Malila. So Tom, uh, well, thank you very much. Brilliant. Well played, Tom. He's basically Mark Hughes' Stoke, isn't he? It's kind of <laughs> yeah. locked yeah. in there, waiting for it all to fall away. Richard uh, is the only name that I had on the email address. So Richard comes in, just been listening to your always excellent FM podcast, uh, specifically the episode of 18th of May, where you talk about known new gem players. Uh, CJ Ransom, of course, turns up in the database. As well as Sports Interactive staff, there are others in there as well. Uh, one who appears regularly is a guy called Arian Kalantari. He's one of the three founders of Lad Bible. More interestingly to me... I actually taught him A-level business studies many years ago at Stockport Grammar School. Well, well done, Richard, because those lessons seem to have stuck. Um, <laughs> so it's a rather nice claim to fame. By the way, he's a very nice lad, but as is often the case, there was no indication he would go on to such great things. <laughs> wow. it, it's great if, if Arian is listening. He's just been like, oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, I proved you wrong, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, clearly, Richard should be charging consultancy fees for his A-level <laughs> business studies. So, uh, well, well done, Richard. Um, Tyler Fernandez is back, isn't he? He is, yeah. And um, Tyler says, it's been a while since I touched base, but uh, I'm still loving the show, in brackets, obligatory plug. Well done, Tyler. You know the game. You may enter. Listening to this week's show, I was thinking about something I'd considered as a backup plan if I ever left Sunderland. Look, it turns out, every so often, for, for the sort of lucky few, the Derby and Sunderland challenges have, have hit. Anyway, Tyler says, it's going well, by the way. Got a Champions League title and three out of the last four Premier League How are people doing this? I know. Now, this idea may be frowned upon, and I've never done it myself, but when I was being approached by all the big clubs, I thought maybe if I made a separate save as, now we're walking into de dark territory here, aren't we? In? Mm, okay. Anyway, if I made a separate save as and kept that moment saved in time, and took another job, I could always come back if I hated it. Maybe against the spirit of the game, but it's an idea to keep from ruining a long save if you move on and regret it. Now, Ian, the confessional isn't open this week, but... I've done this. I, I have what? done this myself, yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've spoken many times this series about games I've ruined by taking different jobs, and I had a Celtic game. I think it might have been the, the old set-pieces Celtic game that I'd just continued and continued, and I got off the Real Madrid job, and I was so happy at Celtic, because if, if you like playing the game like, you know, cultivating a little bonsai tree, um, for a very limited amount of pressure and uh, bringing your players through the youth um, setup, like Celtic's a lovely one just, you know, to get in your groove on. But the Real Madrid job came up. I had learned from the past, but not well enough to turn it down. So I did. I, I saved the game as you know, Celtic game. Then I took the Real Madrid, uh, Real Madrid job and set up a separate file. And true to form, it took me about 20 minutes as Real Madrid manager to go, oh, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> I miss my Celtic players. So I, I think that's fine. I think, you know, fundamentally, 
what we're talking about here is a game. And uh, it's a game <laughs> that a lot of people, myself included, find to be just a nice little escape from the madness of everything out there. So I, I think it's okay to, you know, prevent yourself from ruining that with uh, excess displays of ambition. It's always good to sort of remind ourselves it is a game sometimes, isn't it? In the little, <laughs> little that it's not always a fun game, but when it is fun and you're there and you're in your groove, I think it's fine to take precautions to, uh, as I like to say, Ian-proof your life. Um, <laughs> final letter here. Chris Mason is back, got in touch ages ago, uh, tweets as AFM old timer. And he's returned with an incredibly detailed blog on a 4-3-1-2 tactic he's currently using with Southampton, uh, which showcases third-man runs. So if you want, and it's really, really detailed and fascinating, and if that floats your boat, it's AFM Old Timer on Twitter. He does, does very good stuff, does Chris, so check it out. <laughs> And that was the Football Manager Show, sponsored by LiveScore. Your guest today was Art de Roche from The Athletic. Your producer was Steve Hankey. And I am Erinsborough's favourite sticky beak, Nell Mangle. The Athletic.